I'm gonna get I'm gonna get something out of the way right away here on uh, late to the party with Travis Tate. Welcome everybody. Welcome. <laughs> hey, first of all, look, man. Uh, courtesy, Trav, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Jake? We I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty good. Uh, I am now back to work. We haven't recorded for a little while just because life is busy. Oh, here. it's so busy. The the mail has ramped up significantly for you, and <laughs> now I. I have been called off furlough, finally. My long national sort of nightmare is over, but I work uh, like overnight shifts now, so uh, that bit of my life is in something of a disarray. Yeah, it turns everything but, uh, upside down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. You know, I, I'm very fortunate. I have a, an extremely supportive wife, and now I have a... Uh, my son works for Pizza Hut now, Travis. Ooh, I think nice. uh, we haven't talked since then. So I have a more or less the we have a new breadwinner in the house, and my wife kind of covers for me to make sure that <laughs> that I'm not dead zone. It's funny breadstick like winner. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't exploited my son for pizza. I did, however, I did go over. Uh, I had to run a few errands, and uh, the Pizza Hut's pretty close to us. And I did go over to take uh, my son his longboard, and while I was there, I made I I did the very dad thing of making him hug me before I left, and, <laughs> and thanking everybody at the Pizza Hut for supporting my little boy. You know, my daughter works so. at a Mexican restaurant, and I exploit her all the time. I'm what, always uh, like, you know, I at? sure do like those beans. So anytime they're gonna throw out some beans, like refried beans, she'll throw you're, some you're in saying, a container for you're, me. You're old. Uh, Old secondhand beans, Tate. Dude, they're they're great beans. I love good refried beans. These are good too. What, what restaurant does she work at? She doesn't work at Guadalajonkies, does she? <laughs> Guadalajonkies. I think I think they're long gone, but I do remember. I I think my mom was there's a fan one, of Guadalajonkies. There's a there's one out there. I know because my brother had a birthday party there a few years back. I mean, I guess unless hmm. that one's pulled up stakes. That's why I was just curious, is because I know that there's one out out your way. Uh, not that I know of. Maybe there was, but there's not now. No, she works at Casa del Rey, Grantsville, oh. Utah. I, lo- I love it's good food. Music. It's really good stuff. Free plug, uh, Casa so, del Rey. Did so I say Casa or Casa? Get... Sometimes I say it wrong just to bugger, even though I took Spanish. I think I say Casa to bugger. Casa? Is get some of them Casa one? beans? I think it's supposed to be Casa. Yeah, you're probably right. But I say Casa, Casa just to S2. annoy her. <laughs> So one one thing I wanted to get out of the way is uh, you had tried to you had sold me on the Coca Cola Tic Tacs. Ooh, did you try them? I have had an opportunity, uh, you know, as a as a <clears throat> as we previously discussed, as a huge fan of Tic Tacs, or as us in the community like to call ourselves Tic Tac Paddywhacks. <laughs> I had to go out and give it a try, and I will tell you your assessment of it being like a cola bottle cap on the money. Yeah, I don't think money. I don't think so. you're supposed to eat a giant pack of them in like two days, but I did. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just mowed through them. I know you're supposed you to about, suck on them. Again, it, no, tra- Travis, that is a misnomer. <laughs> <laughs> any of them that are, uh, as we uh, as we also discussed previously, any of them that are not flavored, a flavor that mint is actually in the name, calling them mints is out and out bullshit <laughs> like the the orange ones they're not mints stop trying to get yourself the tropical ones they are not mint. i don't even think they freshen breath oh they have to like a little bit the, i would think 
breath freshening. I mean, yeah, but so like so would a a, a pack of actual bottle caps. That's Nothing true. Candy bottle That's caps. True. Not don't eat actual bottle caps, please. Unless you're Jaws but, from <laughs> from James Bond, then you can yes. feel free to eat those. You could probably eat the bottle could, too. Okay, Jaws from Jaws from <laughs> from James Bond. He can bite and he can chew metal. He shouldn't swallow it, right? His digestive system is Ooh, not that's set a up. good. Uh, he what has if he, metal teeth. What if he's got like a metal sphincter like on Star Wars, you know, that little thing that closes after Luke Skywalker goes through the through the, you know, when he gets his hand cut off, that thing? Oh, I thought you were I thought you were talking about the doors that uh, Han Solo jumps through in in oh, a new Those home. work too. Like, a metal does sphincter. That does that count? Are those I never really thought of it. Are those technically the butthole of the Death Star? I think so. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. If not, I, if not, I mean, I it's, it's really definitely a hole. Han Solo jumped there just as uh, through there just as the Death Star was trying to pinch one off. I mean, it, I've got a joke about the exhaust port, so <laughs> we'll just call it that. Yeah. Yeah. The gar- you know, the, the I always thought the garbage compactor was more of the. Uh, no, that's the intestines. The kind of, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. And then, you know, if we were just thinking of the Death Star as a, so the the uh, the massive uh, laser cannon. That's, you know, I, I'm not going to try to dive <laughs> too deep into the anatomy of the Death Star. That's that's the PP. We're straying from this serious topic that is Coca-Cola flavored Tic Tacs, which is yeah, yes, very tasty. Yes, you're right. Coca-Cola bottle caps. Probably the only issue I have is. I don't think I would want to eat a whole roll of bottle caps that were just Coca-Cola. I think cola-flavored, you know, things like that, a candy that is a cola-flavored usually comes along in a, like like a like a banana-flavored runt or a banana-flavored, ah. uh, or the vanilla-flavored Tootsie Rolls. I like they a are, runt that's slightly a, soft. They're like a, they're like a palate cleanse. Mm. Like a, like you're having these fruit ones and then you get, ooh. Ooh, look at this here. This isn't a fruit flavor. I like a much I, like that. A whole a whole ding dang uh, thing full of those Coca Cola Tic Tacs. They are tasty. And then I got <laughs> it's kind of like you, I get halfway through and go, oh, oh, I don't think I should be doing this. <laughs> I like a runt that uh, when you bite into it, it just kind of falls apart. Like it's a house of cards. You don't yeah. want to have to bite into it several times. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That. That that is what that is what can that it's the same thing with with Tic Tacs of I like them I tried to explain this to you previously is I like them a little softer they'll, they'll come to you either they're they're fresh and there's there's a little bit of give to them so when yeah. you bite in they kind of they kind of you know separate into chewable more chewable pieces I need a little course, give when I bite, bite into that just, banana they just shatter and you get mouth shrapnel yeah Nobody you don't want mouth shrapnel nobody wants that so. There's my my tic tac pick of the week. You don't want mouth but, shrapnel uh, hitting you in the back of the throat. No, no. You have to get your tonsils out. Everybody knows that. Those are things I've heard. So uh, the other thing, so you've been uh, you you're still rolling along on Doom Patrol, right? Yes. When I am not so, out working in the heat, trying to battle my yearly uh, summer battle with chafing. I uh, I've watched Ooh. episode two of Doom Patrol. The uh, the chafing, the chafing is real, huh? <laughs> yeah, when you're out in the heat, man. Whew, there's only so much well, you can do. 
you told me that that uh, things picked up significantly because you're kind of you're picking up some Amazon slack now, right? Yeah, Amazon decided that it wasn't worth their time or money to deliver in my town, so now I'm delivering all of the Amazon packages. So I'm doing like three, four hundred a day. That seems like a lot. It is. It's a little excessive, everybody. You know the stores are open. Just put a mask on and go to the store. You don't, you don't need to order pillows I've been to the, or kitty litter. I've been to the... Uh, yeah. By the I way... I've been to these stores, and uh, me wearing the masks isn't the problem. <laughs> By the way, ladies, we can tell when you order something from adamandeve.com. Okay? We know. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. The they, discreet the discreet package is not that discreet. No, they just they just put it in a little floppy package and why it's got some give. You know what I mean? Uh, you try getting that thing to stand up in a tray. Oh, sir, are you telling just, me you can It whips its head back and forth. Travis, are you such a are you such an expert in the field that you can tell the like heft of a Hitachi magic wand? Uh yeah. There was one I remember once uh i i set it down on on my case so i could put it where it needed to go and it uh exploded out of the packaging the package could not contain it any longer and man it was i mean i can only imagine satisfaction is guaranteed with it was pretty close from my from my elbow to the tips of my fingers and i've got long arms i mean this was like i don't know maybe it was meant to like beat off attackers i don't oh that's a poor choice of words but um Fight off attackers. Hey, man, go big or go home, right? <laughs> anyway, we were going to talk about Doom Do- Patrol. Doom Patrol? <laughs> so, from my recollection, the the, <laughs> the episode that you watched is the uh, the donkey episode, right? The donkey. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. Uh, so, what, how did you feel about the episode de donkey? I mean, it picks right up where episode one leaves off because they... How many um, times during the episode did you yell at the screen, Donkey! Actually, I didn't. I'm not, Maybe I was tired. I'm a little disappointed in myself now. Oh, I should have. Travis, <laughs> get yourself back into the early 2000s, man. No, I, I enjoyed the episode. I'm I'm on board with the show. I like I like that the um, at least two episodes in, um, Robot Man is starting to form like a, a father-daughter bond with Jane, which is cool. Yeah. Um, cause he's obviously missing his daughter. Uh, I think you're starting to see, I can't remember, um, uh, power man or whatever. What? I can't remember their names yet. Is power man 5,000. Yeah. He's power man, uh, 1950. And Our world's about to collide. And then, uh, Greta Garbo or whatever her name is. <laughs> they're starting to come out of their uh, shells a little bit but it was cool seeing cyborg jumping in there the whole thing with the donkey was funny when they found out the the mouth was a key so they had to go into the donkey that that whole scenario was funny and it shows that mr nobody is i, I mean he's a force to be reckoned with jake he's I he's am, got a dark side to him i am telling you uh old old two dicks <laughs> alan Tudick is by far the MVP of the show for me. Mm-hmm. I think he's great in it. I think he is he is at scene chewing best. <laughs> I think that That's how is, a villain is, should be though. He is all in on like being a character and it's it's just so it's just so delightful. Like the parts where he's like a an FX 
like twisted uh, um, Rubik's cube looks good. Yeah, and he plays it off well. It just like um, every character in that show kind of has a a lane that they're in. Uh, Brendan Fraser, his lane is to say at least eight or nine times during an episode what in the actual f. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jane's Jane's lane is to tell everyone how stupid everything is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyborg's lane is to tell everyone that they need to work as a team. Okay, so I watched a YouTube video on Doom Patrol, and it's kind of like the history of of the comic book and stuff like that. It actually came out three months before X Men did, so they're kind of not saying, but leaning towards Stan Lee stole the idea. I know big shocker, Stan Lee stealing an idea from somebody. But um, anyway, the Jane character has all sorts of, like she can shrink down like Ant-Man and get giant like giant man, but she also has elastic abilities. Does she ever uh, come out of her rubber shell to, to the point where she does more than just become a glob? That uh, that is something that is kind of an in the process. There is a there's a through line of her trying to learn how to control her her powers. Because it seems like she's had her powers for I don't know eighty years and she hasn't figured them out yet. I will say well, so both her and the negative man character are are two characters that have seemingly been living with Niles for decades, and neither of them. I get the impression that those two characters ha- haven't been trying to understand what they've just basically kind of hidden from what their deal is. I mean, he, until... he kind of, he kind of jumped right in with robot man because, you know, he's teaching yeah. him how to walk and how to use his hands and everything like that. But yeah, those two have been kind of just, first of all, well, not think... aging for like 70 years. I did. You know, you will, you will find out that there is, not necessarily. You'll find out that there's uh, there's an impetus behind the whole not aging thing. Wow. But uh, I, I think thinking back to early parts of that, uh, Robot Man in particular is kind of a catalyst for everyone having to face their problems. Um, so, in in watching that video, have you had anything maybe spoiled for you at all? Um, of any any characters and maybe their mo- their ulterior motives or anything like that? Not really. I mean, it talks about Jane a little bit, but she's the only newer character. The other three are original members. And, oh, really? And Cyborg kind of... It's kind of like uh, the Avengers where characters jump in and out. Like Cyborg's, Cyborg is one that, you know, comes in and goes. So it's cool that he's on there. But, oh, I was given the impression that Cyborg was one that they brought in more for name recognition and was never really part of the. No, he was actually part right. of Doom Patrol for for a while. So, oh, okay. yeah, it 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 checks out, canon wise. I I really like what they're doing with uh, with Cyborg in this because that's that is a character that has just never really gelled with me. I've never whenever I whenever I see any kind of Justice League stuff, I'm like, oh, we got Cyborg. So that, that, there's I think something about that. I, they always I play him super just straight. Design wise, he's always looked uh, just something about the design does not is a is a turn off for me. Well, they always made him like kind of boring, like even more boring than Superman. Kind of like he has a personality yeah. in this, but usually he's very yeah. he's very robotic. Is I guess what well, I should they, say. They deal pretty much everybody. No. 
no one in Doom Patrol is not completely whacked out. Like they, they've all got a pretty, a pretty uh, gruesome backstory to them. Yeah, I like the Mister Nobody character because, I mean, clearly he's got a dark side, and that comes out every once in a while. But for the most part, he's he's trying to entertain himself. It seems like he's trying to entertain himself as the narrator and also as the villain of the story. And then every once oh, in a while, he'll just kind of snap and you he's see so fun. it's, it's like Alan Tudyk is trying to do a Hamill Joker, but he's really holding on to it. He yeah. doesn't, he doesn't really break, which is can't be easy with that kind of, you know, cause everyone in this really isn't like Brendan Fraser. Isn't, you know, losing him. No one's really losing themselves in their character, except for maybe Diane Guerrero as Jane is kind of, you know, she's having to play different, like the Hammerhead character and Baby Doll, and probably a lot of characters you haven't seen yet that she's, you know, having to to transition through. And like, it makes me wonder if M Night Shyamalan possibly read the Doom Patrol comic books. <laughs> Why do you say that? Uh. What is it? Split? The Split character? The James McAvoy character? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. much, it's very much a ripoff that, of Jane. That might be because, I mean, I mean, uh, that, that stuff, the Mr. Glass, all that stuff, that, that really is just his riff on comic books. Right. But uh, one thing I definitely wanted to talk to you about, and I need to find, I need to find it in the cast here, is Something that did not click with me until very late in the series is that I thought the cockroach and Mr. Nobody were the same character. So he was like appearing as a cockroach once in a while? For some, I, I didn't understand it. It's just those two voices sound hmm. like exactly the, together. I found out very late in the series that those are two separate characters. And uh, I want to find it on here. So just just mug for a minute while I find the the name because I don't know the name right off. I know the I know another character of this person, but I want mm. I want to see if you recognize it. Yeah, I never I never put together that they had anything in common. I, I in fact I wasn't entirely sure why the cockroach was even there. To be honest with you, I was like, okay, well that's interesting. So I, I didn't know, know if, I didn't know if he was part of the Doom Patrol and they didn't know I that don't he know was if there. That's a and uh, a, uh, a character that's appeared in the comics before. So part of what I'm looking at Doom Patrol like is the same way, is similar to how I, I looked at Legion. And come to find out, Legion, uh, as, far, as far as the TV show Legion goes versus the comic book version of Legion, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of connective tissue. Like, you know, they still have the... You know, they still have the idea that he's got multiple personalities. They still have the idea that... He's mentally ill. They still have, you know, the idea he's Professor X's son. But mm-hmm. most of the, I always wondered, like, oh wow, these, this episode of this character, what's it like in the comics? And I'm like, they, they, none of this stuff is really there. Did you figure out the name? No, I can't find it because apparently there are just tons of people in this. <laughs> I think I will just look up the other movie that I know this person from. I thought the idea of this whole other world in the donkey was a funny idea, though. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Uh, watching uh, Elastigirl go through, <laughs> you, you just see her eyes fun. 
It reminded okay. me of a, a wrestling match that I watched a couple nights before that. Uh, it was an eye for an eye match. Oh, I where, thought you were going to go up the butt match. No, no, where Rey Mysterio loses an eye. I mean, he didn't really lose his eye. They show him holding like this. It almost looks like a gummy eye in his hand. And the other wrestler realizes what he's done and starts barfing. Blah, blah. Are we going back to giving birth to a fake hand, Dave? That, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, this is this century's birth to a fake hand. It's, that was exactly where I went. So it's funny that you went there, too. <laughs> so if I say the name Curtis Armstrong, does that mean anything Oh, yeah, Booger. Yeah, Booger is the voice of the cockroach. Ah, okay. He was also, um, he was God's scribe in the Supernatural series, if if you're fans of that. Oh, okay. I can't remember uh-huh. the name that he of the character he played. I just know he was he was God's scribe. Known, known primarily for the phrase, we have a bush. <laughs> also, uh, for snorting snow on Better Off Dead. His character was obsessed uh, with snorting anything that was powdery. So at one point he snorted not, snow. Not to, get too, not to get too deep in the weeds on, you know, on this sort of thing, but even in 19, whatever, 1980, Revenge of the Nerds came out, the hero, the, the characters we're supposed to be rooting for do some unbelievably reprehensible stuff. That's a movie I have never seen, but yeah, I've, I've heard oh, some really? of the things they do. Oh yeah, like uh, setting up, setting up uh, video cameras in the girls' shower and just spending a night <laughs> watching girls in their dorm being naked. And so that—that's where that—that's where that that uh, that that comes from—is them watching them in the showers and getting changed in the dormitory. And one of them takes the bottoms off, and Curtis Armstrong it cuts to him going, "We have push." Ah, it was like, like the original like that, fans like, only, except um, it was nerds only. Uh, there's like a there's like a fair and the jocks are getting more money than the nerds, but all of a sudden, like the nerds are selling cream pies, and like they're they're selling out of these cream pies and people can't believe it. And they go buy one of the cream pies and the guy's eating. He's like, "Well, what's so good about it? How are they like, I don't know. It tastes fine." And he gets to the bottom of the pie, and the main jock's girlfriend, who's the head of the cheerleading squad. They had a nude photo of her that they're putting at the bottom of every pie. <laughs> like that, that movie, is, even for that time period, when I come think about it, I was like, we're supposed to be rooting for these guys. They're just <laughs> gross. So anyway, but but mainly it's uh, Curtis Armstrong. I, I don't know that Curtis Armstrong is doing a voice per se, but the voice that Alan Tudyk is doing and his voice sounded eerily similar. And I honestly, God thought that the cockroach was supposed to be some manifestation of Mr. Nobody up An until extension. very late in the show. Huh. Well, that's cool. So Curtis so, Armstrong. So far Booker. two episodes in, you still feel sold on the show. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's still I'm, weird for me to watch a, uh, superhero movie with so many, uh, F words in it. I'm not, I'm not yeah, like, I'm not shy like to that said, kind uh, of stuff. It doesn't bother me, but it's weird. The phrase, what in the actual F happens Oh, like multiple times per episode, someone, usually Brendan Fraser is saying, what in the actual ass? <laughs> well, it's like the Harley Quinn he cartoon, too. Point, I think at some point he even says, I know I say this a lot, but I really mean it this time. <laughs> oh, there, you know, and the funny thing is, is uh, you probably feel like the show is weird already. 
And I think the weirdness ramps up significantly the farther in that you get. Like, you know, you, uh, you, we, the, one of my favorite characters, Danny the Street, uh, that I am so excited for you to get to Danny the Street. <laughs> I think we talked about it when they first announced this show. Yeah, because I thought, I thought this is such crazy content. I hope they do it. And then they do it in a way that is so, like, just, it brings me such joy the way that they, manifest that character <laughs> there's a couple of characters there's that character and another character i'm not going to talk about because i just want you to experience it <clears throat> right who i who i just store and then you know second season i swallowed it a little for you but like sex, sex ghosts are gonna happen oh yeah that's how we and got on i that. just realized it's thursday because another byproduct of being the nightman is that i live my life i always live my life between two days so i am constantly not sure what day it is because I wake up one day and I work through to the other and it's but I, I did realize it is Thursday I have a new episode of Game Patrol to watch and I really you know besides the, the comedy and besides the weirdness like I think I think they do a really good job of of uh, character development on all these characters because you're gonna I hope I hope in looking up the history you didn't find out too much about uh, at least one character because uh, there's a turn late in the first season that I, I didn't know about and it was kind of... The only thing kinda, I can think of is I know later in the series um, I think I want to say maybe Grant Morrison worked on Doom Patrol and he made the professor evil like he had them all trapped there. <laughs> uh, I think you kind of... Oh, no... I think you kind of found that. But well, I mean, you know, I kind of, honestly, I got that vibe in the very first episode when he found, or when uh robot man found out that uh, the chief was lying about his daughter. I kind of yeah. got that vibe. So it's not a super spoiler. I was yeah. kind of leaning that way anyway, because that's kind of, a, we'll see how it goes. That's a little it's crumble. Funny that you say that, like it, it's funny that you say, I found out Grant Morrison worked on it. Like, I think any, I would be interested to see what properties Grant Morrison has worked on. Like there, there are some writers. There, there are some writers that have been so prolific just in comics in general. Like I, Grant Morrison is one of those ones that like I, I feel like he's written, he has to have written every character on, on both sides of the street, be it DC or Marvel. But Grant Morrison is a guy who's eventually just written everything. I mean, that's a dream. I probably if you get into that job, well, sure. you want to work with it, all the it, different it, characters. It, it, it speaks to that Grant Morrison is really good at that. They're writing. Yeah. Speaking of Grants, I feel I I, I want to mention Grant Imahara died. Did you see that? See, what? From MythBusters. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a. It was last his, week. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I guess he, in general, he had a brain hemorrhage, is what I read. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, that's that. That really even piled on top of it. Like he didn't. He died very. In, That's usually in an instant a thing, right? Manner. Yeah. And it's, it is a bummer of, uh, Gabe is way into Mythbusters. I, I've always it's had a great show. Title. I've always had all the respect in the world. Not necessarily, wa necessarily watch the ton, but it, it's one of those things, almost like a 30 for 30, where it's not something I seek out, but anytime I've sat down and Mythbusters is on, I was like, you know, this is great. Right. This is great. He, um, he he was a good dude. Did I ever tell you that I met him? 
Oh, no. I, no. He, uh, I don't believe so. I think it was the first time Chris Hardwick came to Wise Guys. He brought uh, Grant Imahara with him. So, you know, uh, my wife, Penny, and I, we both got to meet him and hang out with him and talk with him. He was a great dude. He was super nice. Like, nicer than you possibly could imagine anybody that's on TV could be. So he was he was a, a really nice guy. What a sad thing. So yeah, smart the, the too. Outpouring in his the outpouring in his passing, I really got the impression that like sort of the guy he was on the show was just the guy he is of a very yeah hundred percent very enthusiastic. You know, a lot of a lot of Asian American types that I that I follow talked a lot about just like what a good um what a what a really positive influence it was to have a guy like Grant Imahara in that position of uh you know not just a not just a, a, an asian in a a prominent kind of uh, upfront thing but also just i think maybe i think maybe a lot of specifically asian americans run into you know when when they get to see people that look like them in roles it's usually play playing sort of a stereotypical of, you know, a samurai role or something like that. And I, I, I saw more than a few people come out and say, like, it was great to have a guy like that in, you know, as a star of something, but just as a dude, not feeling like he had to represent a culture, but just to be, hey, this is someone who looks like me, but also he just gets to be Grant Imahara. What I thought was cool was uh, the way, because, of course, I did the dumb thing where I'd be like, Hey, remember this episode when you did this and you built that? And he's probably heard all of every episode a thousand times, but he was like, yeah, that was cool. Right. And he would talk about it and he would like, just kind of, you know, give you exactly what you wanted out of that situation is he didn't act annoyed or anything like he, you'd have to be annoyed. Like when somebody comes up and talks to me about a joke, I do, I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's a joke. It's not, you know, <laughs> But he was like, yeah, it was totally cool. It was so fun to build. It took us like three weeks, and he would just talk about it. And, I mean, oh, that's, I what, would, that's what you wanted out of him, really. Uh, I happened to jump in while Gabe was watching an episode where they were they were trying to bust some myth about, like, uh, oh, it was, it was something about cannonballs that they would make them out of a specific stone because cannonball. when they, imp- cannonball when they impact, they'd shatter. You what? Cannonball coming. Cannonball. That's a uh, Caddyshack. Cannonball coming. <laughs> but but the the it was supposed to be about how they made them specifically to shatter on impact so that the enemy couldn't reuse their cannonballs. But <laughs> they kind of cut away halfway in the episode to say, while we were doing this, first somehow the way that they fired it fired too high and they hit a, a residence. <laughs> near the site that they were doing and they they had, they had a whole bit about safety and things like like they went back to that myth to complete it like months later i was like oh my god i would love to i would love to he i would love to see them find out that they shot too high i would love to see them find out that they hit a residence i would love to see how like there has got to be such a good story behind that but they they were nice enough to even admit to on air what happened because i can I could see a lot of shows that, you know, we shot a house and be like, we do not talk on the show about that this happened. Right. Yeah, I think but even the that, errors... I'd love to hear the, the whole bit-by-bit story of, of, you know, what did they have to do? Because I think they even mentioned something about that not only did they take care of the residents, but they invested in that community to try and be like, I am so sorry. And 
you know, went, went to great lengths to say, we've learned from this experience. Okay. Here's, we're moving our side of where we're doing this. We're, we're changing it, you know, just to make sure they do it safely. But just that whole thought of things went that wrong. I, I just genuinely wish I could see the whole, like I could watch a whole documentary just on how that happened and how they handled it. That's why it's important to, when you, when you screw up, just own up to it. Because I think that actually shows a little bit, it, first, it shows humility, but it also shows a little bit of character, you know? Like, yeah. you could kind of see, you can laugh along with them, <laughs> knowing that they know, that we know, that they're not perfect, and they're not complete geniuses, and they screw up too. That's kind of what endears them to people. So, I think it's good for them to do stuff like that. Yeah, those those three uh, in particular, uh, and I, I space on names, but Grant, uh, Redhead Lady, and... Uh, Carrie Byron. Half a scruff. And Tori yeah. Belachey. I think that's right. Just seemed, just seemed like very, like three people who were just excited to go to work with each mm-hmm. other every day. Yeah. Yeah, they seemed like um, they had fun. The, one of the, pod, the gaming podcasts that I've heavily followed, Giant Bomb, they have a guy who runs kind of their sound and is a, a host named Jan Ochoa, who actually worked on Mythbusters like as a, a PA, and has only ever, you know, besides the whole Granny Mahara thing, just always talked about it in glowing terms of what a great time in his life it was just to work with those people and that they were all really, really great. That would be a fun, a fun job. Yeah. I want to bring up bring up a couple things here. Um, Give me a trav. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some news right in the middle here. Okay. Oh. First okay. of all, uh, there's gonna be another Star Wars animated show on Disney Plus. It's about the Bad Batch. Do you remember when I was talking about the the first few episodes of the the last season of Clone Wars, where yeah. they brought in these clones that had I don't know if they were purposely. If they were screw ups or if they purposely Are these enhanced the them, ones? yeah. So they're gonna get their own series. So you'll get to see the Rambo, the Rambo clone. There's one. He's got the same haircut. He's got the red bandana. He's got the whole thing. Uh, I'm not. I was never into <laughs> Clone Wars, so I'm. I'm always a little skeptical, like especially of how Disney is anymore. I'm a little feeling like the last season of Clone Wars was specifically to go. Okay, we we want to introduce a bunch of characters and we can make their own shows. Well, they're doing a Bad Batch show, so that's cool. And, you know, and uh, boy, Disney went through a rough patch the last couple of weeks of trying to reopen in a way that they thought would be tasteful, but <laughs> really just, just only surfaced how exploited the whole thing was with, you know, yeah. yeah. Come on, Disney. <laughs> Then we got Muppets Now starting in August. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with that. My friend Tom Clark to is on it. What is? My my friend Tom Clark is on it. Oh, good. I, I don't know what he's playing. I would love to see good Muppets, but boy, like they, you know, just similar to the Looney Tunes thing, uh, they just haven't really, you know, two things that they've tried to update several times and just have never really quite been able to figure out how to recapture the initial magic i just wonder if it hits a kid better than it hits an adult a kid that's not super familiar with the muppets you know what i mean interesting to see be interesting to see i i i'm kind of i'm starting to get deeper and deeper into the idea that uh like the muppets like you you just 
there's just not a modern analog for a Jim Henson or a Mel Blanc or some of the directors who, some of the great, you know, uh, directors of those old Looney Tunes that just, for some reason, were just so dialed into what that needs to be. I just don't know if, I don't know if it's a matter of. It's because they were inventing the genre, kind of. You know what I mean? Sort of. It might be that. They were groundbreaking because they were the first ones. Who knows? I think some of it has to do with, uh, I, you know, I guess I should, I should look more, I should maybe look more into like what, you know, what's the story behind a Chuck Jones or a Frizz Freeling versus say, I don't, I haven't looked too far in. I, I get the feeling. I feel like new Looney Tunes, they're probably looking at young, they're looking at young comics, which I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I'm not looking down on say a young comic or even a fairly I just feel like, like a Chuck Jones of Chris feeling there was something that was lightning in a bottle on guys like that that I feel like a an HBO is going to be like, yeah, but what if we just got someone we could afford better? But also they we they were in it for the long haul. Where now it seems like people are very transient. They come in, work on one episode, and then that's the the only time they ever do it. You know, so it's a constant rotation of people. Because, yeah, like, anytime I'm watching, anytime I'm watching those and I see, especially the two names, Chuck Jones and Chris Drilling, come out, I'm like, this is going to be brilliant. These guys always, you know, they're always perfect. Right. But I, even here, you know, if you look at some of the names that are doing the new ones, it just, it just feels like there'll they'll probably be names coming up that I'm like, oh, I, I respect that person. I think that person's great. But I feel like, yeah, HBO came to them with a pretty modest amount of money and said yeah but you get to say you worked on looney tunes i wonder if back in those days like the 30s and the 40s some of the stuff they were doing was probably super edgy and controversial so i wonder if it's almost like watching rick and morty now (laughs) because you know bugs bunny dressing in drag or uh you know just people shooting at each other, things like that. Like that was, that was pushing the boundaries quite a bit in those days. I don't know. Was it? I think, I feel like it was. I'm curious whether or not that's the case. Cause you look at, you look at, uh, popular cartoons from, and when I say an era, who knows, this could be decades, but you look at a Woody Woodpecker, you look at a Popeye, you look at a, uh, especially a Tom and Jerry, and they were always wildly violent they were always wildly what we especially now consider edgy, hmm. be it of be it of violence, be it like alcohol figured, you know, a lot of bottles that just had XXX on them. I think they uh, set like, they set the standard for a cartoon being able to do something that a show with humans couldn't do. Like Dick Van Dyke is never going to do something like that, where Dick Van Dyke dresses in drag, trip over an ottoman and explode. Yeah. <laughs> And then, he, and then he comes back up and his face is charred out in blackface. Yeah, he, uh, you find out Mary Tyler Moore is actually a Carl Reiner in drag when he turns her around. Yeah. <laughs> Again, these are things, these are things you, you, for how much I love these, you would think that I would take the time to learn more about them, and I just don't. Yeah, I'm just interested up, to uh, see the new ones. When I look up uh, Looney Tunes writers, all I find are... All I find are articles about how Elmer Fudd doesn't have a gun. <laughs> Which I think speaks to the, the 
and and I don't think that's a, a thing that anybody didn't already know that those old ones were were really more for adults anyway. Well, I don't know if I if we new Looney Tunes are very much more targeted toward children. I don't know if we talked about this before. We might have, but they basically wrote those and did the story arc for them like right after the Las Vegas shootings, and that's why they decided not to put the guns in it because it was right after the Las Vegas shooting. So at least that's, that's what I read. Yeah. So they're like, well, maybe we should hold off on the gun. So I don't think it was like this huge, we can't have guns. And I think it was one of those where it was like fresh on their minds and they're like, could we do it without a gun? Cause it feels like maybe we could try doing it without a gun. So I don't think it was like some political statement or anything. I think it was just, you know, when, when there's a fresh wound in, in the nation's gullet, you feel like oh, we should be a little more reverent with this right now. So that it just kind of lined up with that. So they were just trying to be respectful. You know what I mean? I would not, you know, I would, I, what you're saying makes sense. And I would have a, a level of respect for that. I am more inclined to believe that I, I'm not, I am not saying that's not something that went into it, but I would say that's probably something they were always going to do. And that it has more to do with, we have to be able to, we have to be able to sell stuff for kids. And if we have guns, that's going to seriously impact like our marketing. Yeah. But that's just, you still that see guns and old stuff. I don't, I don't know. That is a huge no, no for if you are doing anything kid related, having guns in it is just a huge yeah, but like in the eighties, we watched Rambo watched cartoons and stuff like that. They all had guns. Oh yeah, those were in the nineties and eighties, Travis. I'm talking about if you release something right now, like Looney Tunes, and say, "Well, we want to be able to, we want to be able to have T-shirts. We want to be able to have party favors." You don't think if they could sell some Tweety Bird hands. T-shirts, do you? <laughs> I mean, look, we all know that what the kids want now is a T-shirt that has the Tasmanian Devil wearing basketball gear. And it says no fear on it. What about the ones where the Tasmanian Devil and uh, Bugs Bunny are dressed like crisscross and their clothes are on backwards? You ever yeah, see that one? It's never been a better time, Travis. I <laughs> uh, got a couple other little news and notes here. Uh, apparently, Dave Franco is going to play Vanilla Ice in a biopic. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just going to politely say no thank you to... <laughs> to Vanilla Ice's overall story. Oh, sorry, that made me laugh. Saying it out loud makes it real, and it just seems... Okay, I get the Freddie Mercury one. I even get the Elton John one, but we there's got to be other people we could do before we get to Vanilla Ice. You know what I mean? I Vanilla Ice just has such a weird, dumb story of, you know... Uh-huh. You, you brought up Freddie Mercury, but stealing from Queen, pretending he didn't steal from Queen, <laughs> and then all his weird, his weird. Uh, the only thing that I know about, I know there's been more to it, but that, and then his weird. I, I'm a Carpenter TV series. TV series. I think they should make it PG. I think <laughs> because he was always the PG version of real rap. <laughs> uh, it's it's ridiculous. I I hope I hope it's over the top, like like a Will Ferrell movie almost just like stupid. I hope there's no reality to it at all. <laughs> Even at that, I probably just wouldn't be interested. So looking at, um, looking at the directors for the Looney Tunes, it looks like they just, it looks like they picked from, 
from just other children's animation, which I mean, like you're getting people from Steven Universe and and um, what's it called, uh, Teen Titans Go, and things like that, which are which are great shows in and of themselves. I just don't. It, it again, I just don't know that it, it stacks against like a, a Chuck Jones or a Fridge Freeling of right. what sensibility they're bringing to a project, which is just where it's maybe not necessarily going to appeal to me. I don't. Well, they kind of dedicated their appeal. lives to it, you know. Of course, it's going to be good. Speak to the appeal of other things. It kind of goes into an era or a a realm of maybe there's some destiny involved with certain, like Jim Henson. Was he destined to do what he did? Because it's almost like you can't imagine reality without the Muppets in it. Yeah. Is there some sort of destiny? Like, if it wasn't him, was it going to be somebody else? Type type of thing. No, I think. I think you're right in that, in that, um, just what you're saying is, what you're saying is that, uh, HBO Max tried to, they went into a project saying, we're going to try to make Looney Tunes and we're going to try to pay, pick people on this project that when you look at them, we go, huh, yeah, well, they do, they do good in the same space that Looney Tunes is probably going to live. Or, or similar to every time they remake the Muppets, they're going to get people to go, Huh, you know this person this person makes this other this other program that it, you know just like I said like something like Steven Universe is an extremely important and well-made product and when they but I don't know I don't know that just because they've written a very wildly successful and well-made children's program like it, let's just say I looked up the directors and one of them was the director of say several episodes of Avatar the Last Airbender an amazing show, I would look at that and go, I mean, it makes sense that you would pick someone who's very good in this field, but I just don't know if if you want to recreate the magic of this, I don't know that it's going to do anything for you. Right. Did I ever tell you, have I ever told you about Anthony Antamanic? He does... Uh, what? He does, like, the world's best Trump impression. He actually had a Comedy Central show, it was like the President show or something like that, where he played Trump. He does the Trump versus Bernie that goes on tour. It's been to wise guys a couple times. Anyway, I was talking to him the last time they did Trump versus Bernie. It was uh, probably in the spring, something like that before COVID. And he was telling me that he worked on the Muppets and he was telling me how fun it was. And I was like, Oh, that's a dream job working on the Muppets. I think he worked on, I don't know. I think it was like the Muppets tonight. Remember when they came back in the 90s or something like that? I think he was kind of just getting into the business. I always thought I just thought that was cool. <laughs> thought I'd share. Uh, you bring that up, but also to be fair, Dark Crystal, Age of what is it? Revolution or whatever? Revlon. Age of Revlon. Age of Revlon. Resistance, uh, right? Is it Resistance? Age of, I think you are right. I think it's Age of Resistance amazing maybe it's maybelline i don't know so it happens it happens it happens all right one more one more little news nugget uh there's rumors there's going to be a lando series starring donald glover yeah i saw that i i feel like i'll be surprised it doesn't seem like donald glover is super interested in revisiting that but if he is he's he is a spectacular lando yeah i I think i don't know he I think he would be into it. Like, I think he, I'm surprised they didn't bring him back in some sort of way 
in the second Spider-Man movie because they kind of planted that seed uh, for the Miles Morales character. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. he he played Miles's uncle basically. Yeah. So there's a possibility he could come back for that. But I, if he's into it, I think that would be a pretty fun show. And maybe you could well, get some Chewie and Han in there too. Have we had a have we had a post into the Spider Verse uh, Marvel Disney Spider Man movie? I mean, who knows? It, it for, could be since Into Spider Verse, it, it could be. It are you could talking be a about? Are you of, talking about the the one where they go to Europe? Yeah. No, there hasn't. It was supposed to be Black Widow, but it got bumped. Because I I I, I think um, here's here's my take. Travis Tate. My take on it is uh, Donald Glover was inserted into you know as uh, Miles Morales' uncle. That was just. In their mind, they were just like, you know, Miles Morales is popular, but he's not really in the zeitgeist, so we're just going to put this in here. The same way that the Amadeus Cho character is a very, very, very brief uh, sort of uh, Easter egg thing in one of the Hulk movies. Mm -hmm. There's just an idea of, like, we're going to put this in here for funsies for the the quote-unquote true fans. Not that that's a thing. So I feel like they didn't know Miles Morales was going to hit almost, like, more popular than Peter Parker at this point. I don't know if he's more so, popular. I just think it, it's maybe it's one of those destiny things where it's like that character was needed. You know, there needed to be a new yeah. spin on Spider-Man. Oh, I know. You're, you're hitting the nail right on the head of, yes, that character is kind of a needed character. And into the Spider-Verse, not only is a great movie, but it did a great job of, of uh, humanizing that character, not just the introduction. Cause it, say what you will of, um, <laughs> Like, I like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, but maybe the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies didn't really humanize Peter Parker in a way. Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker isn't necessarily like you feel Peter Parker in the same way that, like, when you watch these newer ones, you feel Tom Holland. Well, even Tom Holland, it, he seems, he does seem childlike, you know, teen, but we know he's, like, in his 20s, and we knew Andrew Garfield and... Uh, they were all in their 20s. But you see Miles Morales, and he's, what, like 13, maybe 14, somewhere in there? And he feels like a kid, and that's, you know, that's when yeah. Spider- Spider-Man, he, I think, is he, better as a kid than an adult. He acts like a kid. As soon as, as, well, as Tobey Maguire and, and uh, Andrew Garfield, as soon as they got bit by the spider, they ceased to be a child and became, you know, a 20-year-old. And, like, even in... As far as as they've developed the Peter Parker with Tom Holland, he's still a kid who. I mean, one of the things that people said that they loved the most about um, about Spider-Man: Homecoming was that 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 Peter Parker was a screw up. That yeah. Peter Parker, in doing his best to be a hero, made colossal. You know, the whole boat thing of yeah, this could have gone horribly. You're lucky that Iron Man <laughs> jumped in and saved your ass. Right. And that, you know, a lot of lessons about, are you being a hero for people? Or are you being a hero for you? And, and so, so yeah. And, and Miles Morales, I think that there, there was a lot in there um, about fear, about family, about, and, and so, and I just think that at the time when Marvel was making the Tom Holland stuff, it hadn't occurred to them that Miles Morales could be, because Miles Morales is still, relatively speaking, a very new character in their their overall universe. So, and, and but the other side of that take could be it could just be that uh, Sony 
Sony has, there's a whole deal where Sony's just saying, you can't put Miles Morales in your live action stuff. Could be. They're not ready to let you do that yet. I think especially it would, since, I think it would be big since, for Sony to do that though. I think they would, yeah, well, especially you think they'd be begging so hard. Cause right. Uh, especially with the Venom stuff, I'm getting the impression that Sony is, Sony is still trying very hard to be, we're the Spider-Man people. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you've got the, the Vulture character is, uh, I think the Vulture character is part of that because, uh, oh, geez, the navigation. So uh, he showed up in one of the trailers for Morbius. Who is oh, that trailer is so Venom stupid. Universe. That movie looks so stupid. But it's a way that they're linking that so that right. Tom Holland's Spider-Man can somehow be a part of the Venom movies. Oh, that Morbius trailer just, ugh. I just watched it and I was like, "Nah." Travis, out. Movies are broken. <laughs> movies are broken right now. I'm I not even saw, the I'm not even the negative guy, but even I was like, "No." You're not a you don't have a, a ghost inside you, an electric ghost inside you? I guess not. <laughs> so, the no, negative I, man. I just saw a thing today that uh the the next Avatar movie got bumped back to 2022. Why not? It's been it's yet. already been like 25 years, hasn't it? Seems yeah, like and it. I think I also, I don't know, I don't know how much truth there was to this, but uh, sort of the the um, the goalpost of the movie apocalypse of being Tenet, that Tenet has been put on hold indefinitely now, instead of just moving it back a little more. Yeah, it's that's one of those movies. Like, it might be an amazing movie, but it's been bumped so many times now. And there's so much mystery around it anyway. I don't see how it's going to ever make its money back in this situation. Yeah, they should have just bumped it a year. I kind of think Christopher Nolan is maybe making... Uh, here's a maybe weird take. I think Christopher Nolan's thing of he is demanding that it be shown in theaters is maybe tone deaf. I think that I think this pandemic has maybe broken people for giving a shit about seeing movies in theaters. Not me. To some degree. If it opened tomorrow in theaters, I would go see it. I watched, you know, I, watched I think there's, there's a way to social season. distance in a theater. I think I would be comfortable with it. I, I love seeing movies in theaters, but it has to be a theatrical movie. Like I watched. Well, yeah. Christopher Nolan movies are like, like the, the I perfect like example of, uh, but I don't care if I, whether or not I saw that in the theater. That's not I a do. movie that the theater experiences is detrimental to me. I mean, there's like I just watched Palm Springs. I don't know if you watched it yet. That was perfectly oh, no, I watched Palm Springs. That that's perfectly fine watching it at home. But yeah, a Christopher Nolan movie, I could and see that's what I'm saying. the importance of a giant screen and really good surround and popcorn in my lap. You know that kind of thing. Tenet seems like a uh, what's what's the other one? It seems like an Inception sequel. It seems very Inceptiony. I, I yeah, I heard there's like, some. Uh, there's some sort of link, but it's not necessarily official. Oh, really? There's an actual link. It just seems like the type of movie that if you're not in a theater with theater sound and you're not watching on a big screen, that movie is just going to be so much less impressive. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that. So, so you haven't seen that, Palm Springs then? No. I, I no. suggest it. It's it. I, I watched it the other night. It is fun. It's a, it's a fun kind of... Of course, it's got that element of Groundhog Day to it. There's there's some twists to the Groundhog Day story, 
but they do some original type things and it, it is kind of fun and there's actually like a rewarding ending at the end of it but it, it it's Who a fun the people in that uh, andy samberg and uh just kidding simmons is in it and then <laughs> oh good old just kidding simmons yeah <laughs> and the lead actress i can't remember her name though i remember her from uh how i met your mother she's the one that marries ted and has the kids with ted she's kind of like in the last season or two but I, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's super likable in it. Yeah. I will say for myself, this is very, very much myself. Uh, uh, Andy Samberg has never landed for me. He's not as Andy Sambergy as he normally is. I will, I, I will say the that. Same, the same thing that I have for Will Ferrell, I have for Andy Samberg of, uh, Enough people love what he does that I, I'm sure he is very good at what he does and deserves <laughs> respect. Just that any time I ever see Andy Samberg doing something, it, I'm just cold and dead inside. The same way I get I, it. I know Will Ferrell. I know Will Ferrell's brilliant, and but any time I watch something with Will Ferrell, I'm just like I I don't feel this at all. I'm I'm just numb. <laughs> there's a there's another thing I um, I finished. Do you remember me telling you about that? show zoe's infinite playlist where she gets yes. uh she's going through a, an mri machine during an earthquake while this guy's playing a playlist and she starts seeing people sing songs to her in in her yeah. subconscious anyway i finished that holy cow yeah. really good show like if you want to have a good cry watch this show <laughs> <laughs> It, it is. And it's that, a funny that show. Counter, that that runs counter to your. I don't want my entertainment to make me feel. Normally, yeah, yeah. Normally, I'm not into that. But I was watching it with my wife, and we we just went through something a, a few months ago with her her dad passing away, and this show uh, very much parallels a lot of the the things that we went through going through that because it's the story of her dad basically kind of fading away. And it's it is a lighthearted show. It's not super depressing or anything. But there's moments when it when it gets serious, they're very very like powerful moments. But there's also a lot of lighthearted stuff in there. There's one character, and the first time you meet, it's a character named Mo. It's her best friend, and I was kind of like, is that is that a trans woman or is that a woman woman? And then you find out later it, it is in fact a trans woman and uh mm. <laughs> there's a part where uh she goes she's still involved with her church and uh the pastor's super supportive to her and things like and knows that she's trans but when she goes to sing she still dresses as a male to do the singing and then one day she just decides i'm not going to do that anymore i'm going to i'm going to dress as a woman because that's what how i feel comfortable so she dresses as a woman and watching that, I was like, could you imagine if that happened at a Mormon church? That would be, if you found out, that's how you found out the elders quorum president wanted to be the, the relief society president. <laughs> Cause he showed you ever up. Just sit and think, this is a very, very particular to Utah thing or just particular to our own experience. You ever just stop and think of where, like where the Mormon church had, like how far, how far it maybe hasn't come in all, all the times and say we were teenagers. And do you think about like maybe in 
10, 20, 30 years, like, will they have relaxed some of the things? That, I like, think so. I think it's just a matter of own way, certain people dying. <laughs> society in its own way has, has uh, I personally, I think there are subjects that society is only going to become more tolerant as time goes on of things that the Mormon church up until now has been very staunch, like, no, like, uh, like homosexuality, the Mormon church has not come that far forward on homosexuality. And no, that was one that I, I feel that one is, that particular subject is beating down their door. And I cannot, I cannot imagine in 10 years, the Mormon church not finally just saying, okay, you're all, you're all fine. I think they're losing so many people because of it whether it be the person themselves that struggle, you know, trying to deal with those two worlds or it's, you know, somebody's child or brother or sister yeah, or whatever. I, have, I think they're I've losing a, a lot of people because of it. I've had a significant amount of people in my life be affected by a family member because, you know, living in a more tolerant world, like I don't think that that stuff existed any less in years past. I just think that, Society wasn't tolerant of it, so the people that it was affecting most were not were not being vocal about it, especially from a young age. I think the and world so as, the world's getting to a place where a strong nuclear family, if that's what's important, then you need to maybe let it be let it look a certain different way than it always has, as long as there's a strong yeah. nuclear family is the goal. Does that make sense? what I'm trying to say without oh, yeah, actually saying yeah. it. <laughs> oh yeah, abs- absolutely. And it's, it's just as, as years go by the, the way that seems to be most effective for any type of person in that situation to start thinking in a different way is apparently you need a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, a brother, a sister who, who can, who feels emboldened by where society's at to be able to state who they are and they have to face it and they have right. to face it in a public way. The world's interconnected now. So you kick a you kick one of your kids out of the house. That's not that's not like a family secret anymore. Everyone's going to know about it. Right, and that's and just how your, that's how humans learn, though. You know, people don't yeah. care about cancer till somebody in their family gets cancer. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, it's like a, it's I never cared about it, autism I until I had a kid that had an autism. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you know, and and. That's one of those things that the LDS Church has held on to and held so dearly. But I mean, how how many people would have to die off? Like how 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 young of a of a leadership would you need to get to where you would finally start getting those decisions made? Like, okay, you've got leadership that are in like what they're like between seventies and nineties, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And how far back? How far back in line do you have to get even to get leadership in, say, their 50s or 40s who might have, you know, more progressive views? It might be 20 years away. I mean, now it's it's then, pretty normal now to see interracial couples, but I remember as a kid, um, it was taboo. They weren't yeah, really I, talking I about it, but, it, like, you go back to, like, the 60s, and it was interracial couples were kind of forbidden. And, I remember being a kid and, and seeing my dad debate friends about, and this was this would have been early '80s, long past, you know, somewhat long past when those decisions been made. But as a kid, you know, seeing my dad debate friends of his about the validity of, of people of color holding the priesthood, and 
God, like, God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Travis, I'm sorry, I'm getting so far off the rails into stuff we generally don't want to talk <laughs> about. But you're like, can you imagine the decision to allow homosexuals to hold the priesthood? Or, or allow guess what? A lot of them the already do because they went on missions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like that, one of the ones that comes up a lot is women holding the priesthood, and that would be. I don't know. I, I guess for people doing that, that's got to be a, a very way of of like how much does it break the break the you know how much people how many people do we lose if we don't do it or how many people do we lose if we do do it? But then if those kind of decisions are being made, or if, if really the whole point is we have to wait until we get a leadership that are young enough to be progressive like that. I've that never really met the framing. I've never really know, met many women that care about the priesthood thing. To be honest with you. And I've talked to some about it and most, most, especially if they're active, they don't really care. But I think people do care more about, uh, not pushing away, uh, you know, gay or lesbian people. I always look at it like the, the parable, we're going to get religious here for a second. The parable of the, the 99 and the one, you know, if the, if the, uh, the shepherd loses one, he's going to leave the 99 to go find the one. That's always kind of how I looked at it. Like we shouldn't be turning our backs on the one just because there's 99 others. That That's always kind of how I looked at it. Like they should, if somebody wants to be a part of that, we should do everything in our power to make sure they have the ability to be a part of that. Anyway, we should probably move on. Um, real quick. We're going to, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, did oh, you crap, see crap. the, I'm going to take a brief moment. Okay. I want to, I'm sorry. I'm going to try and make this, fast and we'll, we'll, we'll consider this something of a tease okay i have a vr helmet a vr helmet wow uh, a friend of mine while he, he went on vacation last week and while he went on vacation uh he's been wanting to do some uh some more retro gaming with his family so he picked up i still have a bunch of old guitar hero guitars so he grabbed those for me and then when he came over he brought over his uh playstation vr rig for me to borrow Huh. And I've been, I've been dipping my toes in. It. Specifically, they uh, they just released an Iron Man game for VR. Wow! Which flying around the Iron Man in VR, I will I will only go so far in to say this tra- about it, Travis. Unless you want to ask me for it, but I fell over on my couch while I was trying to fly <laughs> the Iron Man. Did you it turn on a fan so you could feel the air flow? As, 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 it's not quite that much. Well, but I mean, I don't think Tony Stark feels the wind on his face. That's true. <laughs> but uh, I, I was just a little tutorial thing. You're flying around his his mansion, or flying around the the beach around his mansion, and I took a terminal fast and fell over on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's that sounds fun. Fascinating. But I'm having a good time. With it. Hey, did you see so. the Umbrella Academy trailer? I'm staying away from trailers on that. It's so uh, close that I'm just I'm just gonna go in completely blind. Oh, you don't. But you are welcome do you, do you to talk an, about something you saw. Oh, basically, it looks like most of the season takes place in the '60s around the the Kennedy assassination. So that'll be pretty cool well, um, to see what they do with it. So I, you have those other two. So you're you're current on Umbrella Academy, right? Yeah. So the second one, I mean, it's it, what's the second one called again? Dallas. Isn't it mostly about that Kennedy assassination stuff? Yeah. Or am I not even? 
So yeah, I, guess they're I mean, there's there's a lot of it about that. I don't know how I feel about that because they ended it off in the future, and I was kind of interested in seeing a lot of future dystopia. Well, it seems like they get sucked into the past. Mm. I think I think there's still flash forwards to the future too, so it might yeah. kind of go back and forth between the two. What an interesting what an interesting way to end that season versus how the the original story because you. I don't know if we ever talked about it versus like the meteor hitting or the meteor, you know, uh, the meteor being stopped. How do you, if, uh, if you had any kind of way of feeling about that? Cause I mean, the comics really are, uh, the comics are way, way, way less afraid of appearing, which is funny to say, cause you've got a talking monkey, but the comics are way <laughs> less worried about like, like any sort of having to worry about things feeling real or not. So right. the idea of stopping a, a meteor mere inches from the earth is not, they don't care about that. No, not really, but eh, they got a little more freedom, I guess you can draw anything you want. (laughs) You know, them, them failing in the meteor hits and them having to escape into the future, uh, makes for a very interesting, makes for a very interesting play versus, you know, if they, if they stop the meteor, then you have to go directly into whatever Dallas is. They, you know, I'm interested. I, I'm obviously interested because I'm not watching trailers because I just want to go into a blind and just let it wash over me. There was a point in the in the trailer where I was like, "Who's this hippie guy?" And then I realized, "Oh, it's Diego. <laughs> He's got like long, kind of shaggy hair. You don't. He doesn't even look like the same guy." Oh really? Yeah. So yeah, it, it looks that, pretty fun. Is that one? When is that? Is that late August? I don't know. I just know it's August. next month, isn't it? Or is oh, it the end of this month? It's it's coming up. Remember. It's coming up in the next month or so. Oh no! It's it's the boy. It's the boys. I think that's early September that I'm thinking of. Cause, yeah, mm. it's the end of it's the end of July that uh, Umbrella Academy drops. Uh, that's all we have these days, Trav. What TV shows dropping? Basically, dead, yeah. Can't go outside. But we're gonna run out of those eventually. I heard animations. Yeah. The the big animations gonna save us next year. Well, I'm just looking at a. Uh, Apparently today a new uh, Bill and Ted trailer dropped, and I'm going to watch that after we're done. Yeah, that's going to be available to stream too. Did you know that? That's what I'm seeing on this. I'm really happy about that. I, much as like we said about Tenet, like I I understand a movie like Tenet is probably just not going to be impressive in a living room, but like Bill and Ted, I'll be happy to sit on my couch and watch. It's a weird world we live in. All right. Well, it gets weirder. Let's wrap this feller up. All right. So, uh, Travis, you got anything you want to promote? First of all? Yeah, this weekend I'll be up at a Wise Guys Ogden. I'll be opening for Keith Stubbs. He's a he's a comedy veteran, very funny. Uh, that'll I saw, be. I saw that thing, and they said uh, Netflix is Keith Stubbs. Is he has he got a thing on Netflix now? He was on the show Real Rob. He had a part. Huh. He played Rob Schneider's accountant. He's the one that informed oh, okay. him uh, in the show that his brother had stolen all of his money. <laughs> it's it's based okay, on a man. true story. So yeah, so he was on Netflix because he was he acted in Rob Schneider's show. No, that's right. Good on him. But I'll, I'll be up there. I'll be up there this weekend. That's the twenty uh, fourth and twenty fifth. If you're in Utah, and then I'll be up there again on August twenty eighth and twenty ninth. I'll be headlining. So. 
I'll be excited for that. And then hopefully in the next month after that or so, I'll be at the Jordan Landing Wise Guys, which is going to be opening back up in a limited capacity. It's going to be it's going to be a little more uh, smaller area, so there's not as many people basically. So. So if I can ask, so you said that you're doing Ogden, right? Yeah, on the 28th and 29th. So Ogden is pretty tightly packed. How are they How are they doing that? Uh, trying to keep six feet between people for the most part. You, it's basically 50% capacity, so yeah, okay. it spreads everybody out. All right. Well, that's good. Well, you know, you know what isn't tightly packed, Travis? Our email inbox is not tightly packed, and we would love it <laughs> if the listeners out there could get at us later to the tater at gmail.com. It's not tightly packed. Fill our email full. We would love to hear from you. Fill her up. If that is not if that is not your game, we would love it if you would tightly pack our uh, page on on your uh, Apple Podcast with five star reviews. Give us that rating. Give us that one sentence review. We want to become more visible. Tightly pack your friends with recommendations that they should check us out. Say, hey, friend, open your mouth. I'm going to fill it full of recommendations for late to the party with Travis Dave. Howdy, pard. Give this air a uh, listen. Blue Wave Theory is tightly packing your ears with our opening and closing music. We tightly pack appreciation into whatever the appreciation space is for the usage of that. Um. Travis, where can people tightly pack their uh, social media for you? You can find me at Travis Tate Funny on all the social media. So hit me up. No matter where you live, hit me up. Check it, check it, check them out. So, uh, I think that's it, Trav. You feeling Perfect. good? You got anything left to say for the people? I think I'm all out of words. Well, then, for tightly packed spaces out there, this has been Late to the Party with Travis Tate. I'm Jay. I'm Travis Tate. And better Tate than never.